Wow. But you look at that view. Awesome. But this view, <laughs> this takes my breath away. Ah, right. Let's see, what do we got for food? Well, this should keep me supplied for several days. Let's see what I need. Salt or sugar? Yep, chocolate sounds about right. asking my MasterCard. Oh, yeah, down at the front desk? Oh, no problem. Just please hold on to it for me, and I'll uh, pick it up the next time I'm out. All right, thank you. That's if I ever come out again. That was a close one. All right, no more phone calls, no interruptions. Where was I? What else we got? Let's see. Okay. Caffeine. Caffeine and that goes good together. <laughs> okay, well, let's see here. Oh yeah. Boy, it's been a long time. Mr. Watson, I know you're in there. Mr. Watson. I can't believe this. Mr. Watson, please let me in. Uh, Mrs. Willoughby, how did you find me? Oh, it was elementary, my dear Watson. <laughs> Well, actually, I phoned your wife, who said you were away on business. And then I called your secretary, who said you were not available. But I knew that was not true. Then I put a tracer on your cell phone, which led me to this barren but lovely place. And then I went to every gas station with a description of your car, which led me to this town, where I phoned up every motel and found your registration. Mr. Watson, come now. Please, if you really didn't want to be found, you would have hidden. Now, please, let me in. Oh, thank you. Oh, my, what a cozy little room. Do you come here often? Ms. Willoughby, what is it you need? 
besides something to drink? Sure. Uh, Sprite or Coke? Oh, Sprite would be lovely. Thank you for asking. Why don't you have a seat, Mrs. Willoughby? Thank you. Thank you so much. So, what is it I can do for you? Well, as you know, we're having the annual fundraiser, and I'm here to confirm the time and date for you to chair the kickoff meeting. Did I know about this? Oh, well, of course you did. We corresponded with, let's see, eight emails and five phone calls. Oh, so what was my response? Well, okay, so we never did actually hear from you directly, but being the amazing man that you are, who's so dedicated to our community, I knew you'd volunteer. Mrs. Willoughby, I'm, I'm sorry for inconveniencing you like this. Oh, it is no trouble uh, at all. And for my delay in response. I know you are a busy man. But the answer is no. What? I just can't do it. Why not? Because, Mrs. Willoughby, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> tired of what? Tired of what? Yeah. Tired of meetings. Tired of committees. Tired of people. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way, Mrs. Willoughby. Sorry? I spent all day tracking you down, not to mention time and money spent on publicizing your involvement in this event, and you have the gall to say, I'm tired. Mrs. Willoughby. Oh, Mr. Watson, this is for a good cause. It's for the children, the disabled children. They are in desperate need of money. I know that. Mr. Willoughby, Mr. Watson, we need someone like you. Someone who can bring people in. Look at all you've done for the hospital, the youth center, the Lions Club, the church. <sighs> Mr. Watson, one cannot be tired when one is needed. Mrs. Willoughby, there are other people. Uh, Mr. Watson, if I wanted someone else, I'd be there and not here. Well, uh, Mrs. Willoughby, I'm sorry, but the answer is no. What is wrong with you? I told you I'm tired. <laughs> this is <clears throat> so not like you. Like me? Yes, to turn your back on people. Like me? To play with people's emotions. You're always so dedicated and Mrs. willing. Mrs. Willoughby, what's my favorite color? What? My favorite food. <laughs> Mr. Watson. My favorite author. <laughs> My favorite TV show, hobby. Well, how would I know? Red, lasagna, Ernest Hemingway, top shot, and hunting. Oh, oh Lord. Oh, I bet you didn't know that, did you, Mrs. Willoughby? No, no, no. So don't talk to me about what's like me and what's not like me when you don't know the first thing about me. No. I love our community. I love helping in its growth and expansion. I love the children, the people, raising money, getting my hands dirty. But I can't take it anymore. I need a break. Do you hear me? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I spent my adult life campaigning for others, but I'm losing it. I'm losing me along the way. So don't tell me about what's like me and what's not like me when I don't even know me. Don't worry, Mrs. Willoughby. I'm not going to shoot you. Okay. Well, you know, come to think of it, oh, Lord, I think Pastor Bubna might be a good choice for this job. 
Yes. I hear he's a good man. I am going to leave you now. I am so sorry I bothered you. You have a nice day now. Good luck on the fun drive, Mrs. Willoughby. Sometimes because we have failed to establish any margin in our life, because we've said yes to everybody and everything and we haven't learned the power of no, which we'll talk about in a moment, we end up feeling maybe a bit like that guy. We just want to run away from it all. Now, I want to ask you to raise your hands. But I'd be willing to bet that probably 30, 40, maybe 50% of you in this room at least one time in your life have seriously entertained the idea of just escaping, running away, getting away from it all. We don't set margins. We don't create balance in our lives. And we get into all sorts of trouble. I've got a dear friend of mine who I've known from a lo- for a long, long time. In fact, I'll obey back to my early 20s. And he's one of the most talented guys that I know. Hands down, he is incredibly gifted. He's a great musician. I actually heard him once play a song on the guitar as he sang a completely different song. I don't even know how you do that. It's like he split his brain and played one thing and sang something completely different. Amazing musician. He's a gifted author, a successful author. He's published quite a few books. He's an amazing speaker and church planner. This guy's got gifts uh, uh, like you can't imagine. And the problem with him is that every time everybody asked him to do something, because he was so talented, because he was so gifted, he said yes. Until one day, he literally ended up in a fetal position on the floor having a nervous breakdown. Why? Because he didn't have any balance in his life. Now, his gifts actually almost became the death of him because of his talent. Now, some of us, most of us, uh, can, can relate to the struggle. But most of us don't have the gifts or the talents that he has. But we do have the same basic fundamental problem. We don't know how to create balance in our lives. We don't know how to say no. Today I want to talk about how to do just that, how to bring balance to your life. It is my basic belief that without any intentionality here, that we drift to craziness, we drift to imbalance. Without making some intentional, purposeful decisions about this issue, by nature you don't drift to doing less. You always end up doing too much more. Most of us, by our natural inclination, we will run in the red. We'll run on the red emotionally. We'll run on the red physically. We'll run on the red financially. And we often will run on the red spiritually. And so I want to give you two critical components to bringing balance to your life. Now, there are books written about this topic, seminars done. I've taught a series on this about five or six years ago. But I'm going to talk about two very important things today. And if you'll do even just these two things You'll be way down the road on your way towards creating some balance in your life. If you're taking notes, here's the first item uh, on your outline this morning. Number one, how do you bring balance? Discover the power of no. Discover the power of one simple word, no. In fact, the count of three, I want you to say that word with me. Ready? One, two, three. No. Wow, some of you did that really good over here. The power of no, it's not really that hard to say, but then again, it is. And here's some potential reasons for that. Maybe we love to be needed. Maybe we can't say no because we really, in the deepest part of us, we just love to be needed. I'll, I'll talk more about this in just a little bit. But often, too much of our personal identity is wrapped up in what we do 
for God or for others. And we get this all messed up. Our identity is so wrapped up in our performance and what we do that we find it hard to say no because we love to be needed. Maybe we fear not having the approval of others. We're people pleasers. And the very idea of just saying no to someone, we cannot imagine people not being happy with us. And so we don't want to say no. We don't want to sacrifice, you know, our, our approval from them. Instead, we'll sacrifice our sanity in a vain attempt to please other people. Here's something I learned a long time ago. You can't keep everybody happy. Not possible. It's just not possible. And yet we struggle and we strive and we fight and we, and we, we worry. And we just we won't say no because we don't want anybody to be disappointed in us. Here's another reason why sometimes we say no. Let's be honest. Some of us are control freaks. We, we, we don't want to say no because we don't want it to get screwed up. We don't want them to mess it up. We know that we're the ones that are the best guy, the best gal for the job. And so we don't want to let go because we don't trust others to get her done. We just don't. And so we won't say no because, well, it won't happen without us, without me. Here's another reason, one more. Maybe we think Jesus never said no. And so to be spiritual giants, we have to be willing to die on the cross for the sake of others. Years ago, I worked for a guy in San Diego, the senior pastor, his was Jack, and, and uh, he used to tell me on a regular basis, Kurt, there's only one Savior and you're not him. <laughs> now, why would he say that to me? Because by nature, I'm a workaholic, I'm I, I driven, and I rarely would say no. I thought my job was to get it all done. And he would come to me on a regular basis and say, Kurt, there's really only one guy that can fix all of this. There's only one Savior, and you are not him. In fact, he would drive me crazy because he would sometimes come into my office the middle of the afternoon after he just took a power nap, in which I was like, what are you doing? And seriously, he'd take 15, 20-minute power naps almost every afternoon. And then, he, and then he'd come to my office and say, hey, let's play a video game. I don't do video games. I'm too important. I, I can't stop. I, I'm, I'm serving God. And yet he would, he would say, oh, no, let's play a game. Anybody remember the game Pong? <laughs> really dating my... Is Pong back? Pong is, Pong is back. That's so cool. Pong is back. I'm, but he, he would come in the middle of the afternoon and say, let's play a game. Let's, let's hang out together. And it would just drive me insane. Now, let me quickly address something, and I'm going to deal with this again in just a little bit, a little bit more, because some of you are really stressing out right now. You think, whoa, 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 wait, what about? Yes, we are to serve others. You're already flipping through the Bible looking for the passages you want to come up and show me afterwards. The Bible says you're supposed to sacrificially serve others. Look at what I say right here, Pastor. And some of you are thinking, you know what, wait a minute, doesn't the Bible say that we're to lay our lives down for the sake of others? And, and you, yeah, and yes, it does. And yes, we are to be like Jesus. But listen very carefully to me. Even Jesus had boundaries. Even Jesus had margin in his life. Even Jesus said no. Luke chapter 5, great story. Jesus heals a guy of leprosy. Now that is amazing. This guy, I won't get too gross or detailed, but his skin's rotting, falling off. Parts of his body are literally falling off. He's an outcast, rejected by his family, 
couldn't worship in a synagogue. He had to walk everywhere he went. He had to yell, unclean, unclean, because people couldn't even come near him. And so this is a miserable condition. Jesus reaches out and heals this guy. I mean, completely heals him. It's not like, well, pretty good God except for a few of these spots. No, this guy's got skin like a baby. He's completely whole. And Jesus says, okay, I want you to go to the priest. The law required that he go to the priest, show himself, and that he gets basically certified, yep, you're healed, you're good. Now you can come back to church and hang out with your family again. Jesus said, go to the priest, take care of And by the way, don't go telling everybody what I did for you. Now, it wasn't because Jesus was embarrassed about it. It was that crowds were already being drawn to him. He said he just didn't, he wasn't there to become famous. He wasn't there to, to, to deal with, you know, billions of people at once. He really came to do a particular job, and that was something he was trying to accomplish. And he said, don't go tell everybody. Well, the guy told everybody, told everybody. And verse uh, 15 and 16 of Luke 5 says this, the news about Jesus spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. And you would too. If you heard about a guy that could completely, absolutely heal you of everything. But look at verse 16. But Jesus often. I just want to linger on that word for a moment. Often. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. On a very regular basis. I don't know whether it's multiple times in a day, multiple times a week. Whatever often is, it means more than you probably would. And often. He withdrew to lonely places, to solitary places, and spent time with the Father. The crowds were growing. The demands were growing. His popularity was growing. And Jesus literally could have worked 24-7. He could have had him lined up by the tens of thousands all day, every day. Peter, line them up. Let's keep them going. Keep moving. Yep, next, next, next. But Jesus often withdrew and went to solitary, to lonely places and prayed. You know, here's the thing about Jesus, too. He had the Spirit. The New Testament says he had a Spirit without measure. I, I can hardly even imagine what that would be like. But he was the only one ever to walk on planet Earth that was all God and all man. He was the Son of God. And yet, and yet, listen, Jesus needed time to rejuvenate and refuel. He needed solitude. And I suppose there are probably a hundred other reasons why we seem at times incapable of saying no. But always saying yes is not a wise way to live. And if you want to survive and serve over the long haul, you've got to learn the power of no. You know, did you, did you know that God wants you to live a long and fruitful life? Not just 30 or 40 years of craziness and activity and just a flash in the, in the heavens, but a long and fruitful life. He want, most of you live 70, 80, 90 years of age, maybe with the way things are going. And, you know, we're all going to have new body parts and transplants and everything. And mechanical will be the biotic men and women probably in the next 10 to 15 years. We'll live to be who knows how old. However old you live, God wants you to live fruitful and productive life the entire time. Not just for a moment, not just for a season. So burnout's not his goal for you. He's got the long view. Doctors Henry Cloud and John Townsend wrote a book together called Boundaries. In fact, we do a class here a couple times a year. It's a great one. And the subtitle of the book they wrote is When to Say Yes and How to Say No. Now, I don't know how many millions of copies that book has sold. I hope it sells a billion more because it's a great book. But one of my favorite quotes from these guys is that we are responsible to others and for ourselves. Now, listen carefully. Anything, what? We are responsible to others, not for others. We're responsible to others 
and for ourselves. And too often we confuse the words to and for. And we end up carrying way too many loads that we were never meant to carry. We are responsible to others, not for others, meaning we are not able to fix everyone's problem. Nor are we intended to be a savior for anybody. There's only one savior and you're not him. You know, I'm in the helping business. You may have noticed that. It's what I do. As a pastor, I care uh, for people. I want them to grow. I want them to be developed. I want them to be healed. I want them to become the men and women God wants them to be. And I've committed my life to that. But if I carry a load that I'm not meant to carry or burn out in ministry, then I won't be helping anybody over the long haul. And I'm going to end up like my friend Wayne in fetal position, you know, in a nervous breakdown. And that's not God's desire. That's not his intent. I honor the desire of someone who truly wants to serve others in Jesus' name. And if you're a little bothered by this so far, it's probably because there's a part of you that really says, well, wait a minute. I, I, I love serving. I love laying my life down. I love helping. I value the heartfelt giving of our lives, our time, and energy and to advance, to advance the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. And it is important to serve and for the benefit of others. Let me digress for a moment. I've been talking a lot about saying no. Let me just talk about yes for a minute. See, some of us have said yes to the, to the, to the uh, wrong things and no to the wrong things. Some of us have said yes to stuff we shouldn't have said yes to, and we've said no to God. Some of us have got our priorities mess, messed up. Now, I know this is where you guys start thinking, well, this is pastors, well, they always land on this, serve God more. And I know that you expect to hear that from me, but this is what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said, make the kingdom of God a priority. And some of us, let's just get honest and be real. Some of us have said yes to everything else, and it's not stuff that's evil or wrong, perhaps, but it, maybe it's not eternal. Or maybe it's, we've said yes to so much that we're not able to say, to say yes to God, and so we've said no to him. And that's not an okay no. I, I'm, a, I'm a metal here, just a little bit ready. And some of you are going to be a little stretched by this. That's good. Uh, I, I have friends of mine who uh, uh, their kids, uh, especially their older daughter, was a big soccer player. Now, I have children who love soccer. I am not opposed to soccer. It, it is a communist sport, but that's okay. <laughs> God loves communists. It's all right. No, no, I'm kidding. Please, I'm kidding. Okay? Sort of. But anyhow, I have kids who love soccer. And soccer's good. It's nothing evil, inherently evil about soccer. But these friends, my dear friends, I've known them forever. Their oldest daughter, from the time she could barely walk, she'd been playing soccer. She loved soccer. It was great. And she played on, on soccer teams and, and, and got better and better and better. And then she ended up, I think it was in a premier soccer league. And they travel all over the place. And they go to Vegas. And they go to Seattle. And they go to, you know, Utah. Go all over the place. I didn't know Mormons play soccer. But they go all over the place. And they, and they would play soccer with, you know, with, the reason I say that, by the way, is because Mormons won't do it on Sunday. And you know me, often, often there's soccer on Sunday. That's what used to really me off. But anyway, a whole other issue. Set that aside. <laughs> so they're playing soccer, and, they, and this guy literally worked like 50, 60 hours a week. He was a very, very busy man. Very, you know, traveled all the time, would be gone, you know, like 250 days a year. And then every weekend he'd get home on Friday night, they'd take off to drive and play soccer somewhere with her, with her daughter. And I, and I look at that and I go, you know, I, I'm sure, I know she's into it. I guess it's okay. But they, 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 their lives were completely not imbalanced, imbalanced, and just whacked. 
and they would say yes to this, but they couldn't say yes to other things. Rarely could they use the gifts that God gave them for the kingdom because they just didn't have time. And if the irony in all of this is their daughter, who by the time she was in high school was a phenomenal soccer player, could have gone to any college in the country probably and played soccer. By the time she graduated high school, she hated soccer. Ask her today if her kids are going to play soccer. I'd rather eat glass. I mean, no way, because she just got burnt out on it. Again, soccer is not the problem, balance is. Do you hear me? And sometimes we say yes to all these things. I have known parents, especially some moms. And again, I'm not thinking of anyone here. I'm not talking to you, all right? But moms who, they get their, they got kids in soccer, they got kids in band, they got kids in, in dance, they got kids in karate, they got kids taking, you know, tuba lessons, they've got all these things that they're running around all the time doing. And they're exhausted. And they're not enjoying life. And their kids are not enjoying life. And you got to wonder, is that the plan? Is that what God intended? And yet, and now I'm really going to meddle a little bit. You ask them to serve in Adventure Land because they've got like 19 kids back there. Well, I just don't have time. Oh, man, I, I, just, I am so tired. I just dump my kids and no one asked me to serve God. Now, they don't say that, but that's what they're saying. I don't have time. I'm too busy. If you're too busy to serve the kingdom, let me suggest that you're too busy. Can I get even one amen? Yeah, that's okay. It's true, guys. We need to bring balance into our lives. We've got to have a long view. And some of the things we've said yes to, we needed to say no to. And some of the things we said no to, especially things of God, we need to say yes to. But we all need margin in our lives. We need time to replenish, rejuvenate, rejuvenate and refuel. Which takes me to the last point here, number two. Take regular Sabbath breaks. We all need regular Sabbath breaks. Now, I know that word Sabbath is an old word. For some of us, it's a religious word. For some of it, it has a lot of baggage. I grew up my entire life. My dad said, it's the Sabbath. You don't get to ride your bike. And so I hated the Sabbath because I love to ride my bike. And what do you mean? I mean, riding my bike is fun. It makes me feel good. You know, if I had the words, I would have said, it rejuvenates and refreshes me to ride my bike, Dad. I didn't know words like that back then. But, but I, I, no, you can't ride your bike on the Sabbath because it's the Sabbath and you're supposed to be miserable. And, and so I was. And so some of us have religious baggage with that word. I get it. I understand. But Sabbath is God's idea. It's his intent. And the principle of Sabbath really is a principle of rest, reflection, and even rejoicing, designed and intended for your benefit. It's a principle of rest, of reflection, and even some of rejoicing, of, of joy. And it's intended and designed for your benefit. And it goes all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, God modeled the practice of Sabbath. People say, well, that's the Old Testament, it's the law. From the beginning. Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3. It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. And so he rested. That word in Hebrew could mean ceased. He rested, ceased from all his work. And God blessed, listen to this, it's awesome. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. And that means set apart, special, for something good, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. You know, I grew up again being told it's holy, meaning it means it has to be miserable, can't be fun. Holy and fun don't work. They do, and that's not true. But God blessed the seventh day. God created everything. Pretty big job, pretty important job, yep. And then it says, 
he rested. And what I want you to see here, what I love about this is, and the reason I say the Sabbath involves rest, including these other R words, reflection and rejoicing, is because here's what I'm, I'm, I'm very convinced that God did. God stopped and, and he looked. In fact, you find early, he said, it, it, this is good. And what? That's good. And, and I think God reflected and rejoiced over what he created. I think he's got all of heaven. Guys, this is going to be, look at that ocean. Those whales are awesome. I created those. Look at that star. Look at this universe. Oh, and then there's a billion other universes that they can't, they'll never even be able to see. I made all of that. I think God rejoiced and he reflected as he rested and he created this principle for us so that we could have this one day a week. I'm going to give you the best definition I've ever heard of the Sabbath. And it's not in your notes. Write this down. It is the day when we produce nothing. The day when we produce nothing. It's the one day in the week, or maybe the one moment in a day, where we rest, and where rest is more important than work. Some of you, like me, are type A driven, go, 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 workaholics. Some of us, we, we literally scorn the lazy. I was thinking, what's a good word? Scorn's about the only Christian word I could use in church. But some of us scorn. We scorn the lazy, and we admire the energetic and the hardworking and those who just sweat all the time. We, we truly believe the idol of mind is the devil's workshop, and that's, that's who we are. In fact, there's a sick part of us that actually prides ourselves on weariness. You've heard it. Yeah, worked 80 hours this week for the kingdom of God. Glory be to Jesus. Yeah, I worked really hard. I laid my life down for my wife this week. And I, you know, I, I hope she appreciates the fact that I'm dying. <laughs> but really what it is, is it's pride. Huge part of it is pride. We think that we are more important than we really are. And that without us, the world might not keep spinning. Or God forbid, he might not be able to function without us. Often, another root issue here is, and I mentioned this earlier and I'm going to expound on this just a bit, is this need to be needed. The root issue for some of us is we, we truly have this need to be needed because we too often believe that our personal value and worth is solely based on our performance. This is a huge issue for a lot of us. It was a huge issue for me for the first 25, 30 years of my life. We believe that our value is based on what we do rather than on who we are. And we are driven because we think we're more important and we're valuable and we're loved when we perform well. Now let me be clear. Work hard. Be diligent and faithful. Exceed, excel, do well. Laziness is not a virtue. It is not a virtue. But don't work hard out of pride or insecurity. And don't work hard to somehow feel better about yourself that that somehow will prove your worth to God or to others. Listen to me. You are worth more than the sum of your efforts. And if you hear anything I say today, hear that. Some of you, this needs to go right to the core of your being. You are worth more than the sum of your efforts. God loves you for who you are, not for what you do. And there's a few of you really struggling with that. Well, well, 
Because you really have put all your energy, all your focus, all your attention, you put all your eggs in that basket, what you do, what you do, what you do. But you're worth more than the sum of your efforts. God loves you for who you are. And this is a radical truth and completely contrary to what's taught in our culture. The reason why most of us struggle with that statement is because it, it goes completely against the stream of what we are taught all the time in our world. In our world, we value the successful. We value the people who can do a lot, the people who can, can amaze us with their performance. Guy can hit 300, man, he's worth billions. Let's pay that baby, he's important. Somebody can sing and win American Idol. Boy, they're important. They're, look at that, I'm so excited. You know, we, we put our value on what people do. And if they're wealthy, especially they earned it. We don't give as much attention to those who inherited it, but if they earned it, they're blue collar and they worked their way up and look at them, man, they're, they're stinking filthy rich today and they used to be waiting tables somewhere. And we value people like that. We in our culture put our attention, our focus on those who are successful, who have performed their way into our hearts. And that is not the way God is. That is not the way the kingdom of God is, not at all. Your personal value as a human created in the image of God has absolutely nothing to do with your success or lack thereof. Listen to me. Your personal value on this planet to God and frankly even to others is not based on what you do or don't do. It has absolutely nothing to do with your success or lack of God loves you because of who you are and because of who he is. He loves you because of who you are, created in his image, precious to him. And he loves you because of who he is. With him, our worth is not based on our accomplishments or even our performance, not in any way. In fact, even before you ever did one thing right, even when you were at your very worst, God loved you. Where did I get such a crazy idea? Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I love some of the words. Just let these words sink in. When we were utterly helpless. Didn't you say helpless? I really like the word utterly. I could say it all day. We were utterly helpless. There was no way we were ever going to get it done on our own, accomplish it on our own, be good enough on our own. In fact, it says, while we were still sinners, when we didn't want to have anything to do with God, at your very worst moment, at the moment where you hated God, denied God, were messing up big time, you were stupid, drunk, whatever, the, the, the very worst moment of your life, God said at that moment, I love you. I have always loved you. I will always love you. You see, we sang about freedom today. And I think, well, that's kind of cool. Or I guess, you know, God bless freedom. It's cool. But you know what, it, really what it's about is we are free from the need to perform, free from the need to, to do it all on our own. It's not about, with God, it's not about D-O. It's about D-O-N-E. It's done. He did it for us. 
And people say, well, aren't there things I need to do? Isn't there stuff important? Surely, I mean, the Bible talks about obeying God. Some of you are really upset with me right now because you're focused on the stuff. And, and listen, yes, 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 yes. There are things we need to do. There's stuff God calls us to. There are things he says don't do. Do this. Yes, but it all comes down to why. Are you doing that to earn something? Are you doing that to earn what you already have? Are you doing that to somehow perform your way into feeling like God loves you now and you're accepted and you're important to him? That's wrong. That's foolish. That is completely contrary. God says, I love you because I love you, because you're loved no matter what. Out of that love now obey me. Out of that love serve me. Out of that love function in the way that I've called you to live. But it is not to earn something. It's not to get something from God. It is because of what we already have. Can you get that? Do you understand that? Let me give you a little story. Maybe illustrate it and I'll start to wrap this up. When my granddaughter was born, I have four grandkids. My oldest is Adele, my only granddaughter. And she is amazing. She's precious. I love her. She's five years old almost now. And, but when she was uh, just a baby, in fact, the first time I got to hold her, she was three days old. I got a picture of it right here. She was three days old. Isn't she adorable? And you can see the, pr the pride and the joy. And my, man, I, just, I held her, and, and uh, she was sleeping. But I, I, here's what I did. I, I told Adele, honey, Grandpa loves you. Grandpa's going to spoil you. Grandpa's going to give you stuff that's going to make your mom and dad unhappy. I'm going I'm to love you. I'm going to take you up for Sundays. I'm going to have fun with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to bless you. I love you. you I, I, I always will love you. And I told her that. And I'm crying. You can imagine. I'm bawling half the time. <laughs> and I'm, I say, honey, I love you. I love you. Here's the deal. Let, let the dots get connected here. Why did I love her? Because of who she is. Listen, she's very advanced for age. She's brilliant. I'm a grandpa. But at that point in her life, she'd never said one thing to me. She'd never smiled at me. She never even looked at me. She was sleeping, for heaven's sakes. She'd never given me anything. She'd never done anything for me. She'd never promised me anything. She never ever, 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 ever did one thing for me. And you know what? It didn't matter because of who she was. Guys, listen. I pray with all my heart that this will just pierce you right now. The Father's holding you. And he loves you. He loves you. You're thinking, oh, you don't know what I did yet. He loves you. You don't know what I said to my, my wife. He loves you. You don't know how I treated my kids. He loves you. You don't know what I did on the internet this week. He loves you. He loves you because of who you are. And what does that all have to do with Sabbath rest? Just about everything. Because he loves you, you can rest. Because he loves you, you don't have to strive. Because of your value to him, Maybe for the first time in your life, you can truly rest because you are loved for who you are, not for what you've done. You can breathe. You can take a break. You can cease from all your labor and strife. You don't have to be driven. You don't have to be driven by the tyranny of the urgent. You don't have to live stressed out and fighting and striving. You can breathe and rest. You can truly rest in him.
I want to read you one last passage and I'm done. It's familiar to many of us. It's a psalm of David found in Psalm 23. Well, David wrote this in the first part of the psalm. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I love the images here. God makes me lie down in green pastures. Kurt, stop striving. Lay down. Rest. Take a load off. Chill. It's good. He leads me beside quiet waters. By nature, I like raging waters. I like white water. I like, give me, I want the adrenaline. I want the rush. It's God, God takes us to quiet waters. And then it says, he refreshes, he refreshes, refreshes our soul. The question I have for you is, does that describe you right now? Did that describe you this week? You see, to have healthy relationships, you need to be healthy. We've been in a series on relationships. And this really relates to that because for you to have healthy relationships, you have to be healthy. And to be healthy, you're going to have to learn to say no to some things, to say yes to God. But most importantly, you're going to have to learn to rest. The Sabbath rest in Him. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Father, I am so grateful that we don't have to earn your love, your affection, or your attention. I'm so grateful, Jesus, for what you did to make us right with God through the sacrifice you paid on that cross. And I know, I know there are people sitting here right now or watching this online, and they have struggled. They, 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 in fact, some of them are really still struggling with the idea of rest and, and performance and they hear some things in this and the truth, and yet, Lord, it goes against everything they've believed most of their life. God, Holy Spirit, please go to that place in their mind and their soul and bring the healing that only you can bring. Bring the truth that you want to burn into their soul. They are loved by you. They are loved by you. And they can rest in that love. Father, I pray that you would burn in our hearts that we are valuable to you, not because of what we do, but because of who we are to you and because of who you are to us. I ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet begun, uh, begun your life as a Christ follower. Guys, here's the thing. Jesus said at one point to people, he said, come to me and, and I'll give you rest. Now, he he was talking to those who were burdened with religiosity and with religious rules. Maybe that's not you, but the, the truth of the matter is the invitation of Jesus is still the same. Come. He says, come. Come to me. And in me you'll find rest. My yoke is easy, meaning the relationship with me is the key. It's the important. That's what matters most. And if you're here today and you know, you just get it. Finally, a light went on this morning maybe. Or you're just sitting here today, just done. Are you, I, I'm, I need God. I need a Savior. It's time for me to just engage and to say yes and to surrender my life to Him. If that's you and you want to begin your life as a Christ follower, as a Christian, then I'm going to pray this very simple prayer. But if you'll make this your prayer, your heart right now, then you can begin your life as a child of God right now. Make this prayer yours. Father, forgive me. I have failed, I've sinned, I've blown it. I've strived, I've tried to do things my way. God, I have tried to earn things and then I fail and I feel miserable. And, and God, I, I just, I can't believe you love me. But I'm so glad you do. 
And so right here, right now, I come acknowledging my need of a Savior, my need of relationship with you. I'm coming to you, Jesus. And I, I thank you for what you paid for me, the price you paid for me on that cross. I, don't, I can hardly understand and believe it again that my sins are, are covered there and, and I embrace the cross today. I embrace the sacrifice you paid for me today. I embrace what you did, that it is done for me. And I give you my all. I surrender my life to you because you gave your all for me. Now that's you. Just in your own way, say, yep, God, that's my prayer. That's what I need. That's what I want. And the instant you do, the moment you do, you begin that journey as a child of God. Lord, for those making that decision, those that are choosing you, some coming home, returning to you, some for the first time, God, I pray today that you'd show them how much they're loved. That they would leave here today knowing that more than they ever have known it before, they are loved by you. And that out of that love now, Lord, they would want to follow you and serve you and give because give their lives to you because they are loved by the Father, loved by Jesus. I pray it in your name, Lord. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with the last song of worship, and uh, we're going to take our offering right now. Now, just hold on just a second, guys. I, I want to just say one thing about the offering. Uh, we're at a point right now in our church where uh, we need a miracle, and uh, if you're visiting today, you're uh, not a part of this church, don't feel any obligation or pressure to give. But, you know, I've noticed, here's what I've noticed. When gas goes up, fear goes up. And when fear goes up, giving goes down. And I just want to encourage you guys today, out of love for him and because he loves you. Listen to me, because he loves you. Not to earn anything from him, but because of the love God has for you. Would you give today in faith rather than operate out of fear? And let's do that as we worship. And now would be time to put that uh, uh, prayer card or visitor card in the, the basket as well. Let's give as we worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. Because of the freedom we have in Him, the freedom to not have to perform, we can breathe. Some of you can breathe for the first time today. If you begin your life as a Christ follower, tell somebody. And on the tables to the right as you walk out the door, it's a packet for new Christians. You've got a Bible, some materials to start your walk with Jesus. We want to walk with you. We want to help you. If you need prayer, some of you think, well, I'm still kind of wounded. I need some help. Prayer to me be down front. Come get prayer. Communions available on both sides of the room if you'd like to take communion today. And I want to encourage you guys, go live in the rest you have. God loves you this week. By the way, again, Bryce is meeting with uh, junior high and high school parents. I'm sure I'm too, you can do that too. But God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. Have a great week walking with Jesus.